Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 52. 52. The Sean Corrali episode. And I just want to say before we get into Sean Corrali, happy first birthday to us, huh? Happy first birthday to the Something's Brewing Podcast. Um, this this day last year, we debuted our first episode. Uh, Zach was present, as you all learned. Oh, Zach was about two weeks ago. <laughs> He was present for that episode. Um, it's crazy how fast time has flown, you and I doing this. Um, obviously, Zach didn't last past three or four episodes. Um, <laughs> neither did Andrew past the two episodes Andrew. after that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you and I have stuck here since the beginning. And we've, you know, watched this thing grow from from its foundation, you, you know, from its little seed. We watched it grow to be what it is now. Um, and, and I mean, it's not us that are driving it. It's everybody listening to it. It's everybody engaging with the show with, with both of our accounts on Twitter, um, YouTube, Twitch, everything. It's, it's been a hell of a year and a hell of a ride, um, for, for this podcast and the show and just all the people that we've kind of met along the way, all the people who we've interacted along the, with along the way, it's been it's been an awesome journey and it's only year one we're just getting started i know it's been <clears throat> it's been a lot of fun and also a quick disclaimer i am i'm very sick right now so my voice <laughs> is kind of crappy so you you know bear with me but it's been a wild ride and it's been such a journey too from like i know we've talked about it on like past episodes but like our like the first month Honestly, maybe the first two months of shows we did like sucked. Those were so yeah. bad. Like when you go back and listen to them, they were horrible. Like we didn't, I was using my PlayStation headset. Um, we were just talking about whatever we could because we were it's a couple idiots who decided to start a podcast in the dog days of the season when there was nothing to talk about Bruins, what Bruins or even NHL wise. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been a lot of fun. And this is something that like I didn't even really like think that like this area was a thing, you know, like this whole Bruins community. Like I, when I was in college, I did like a, a, a campus radio show, just like talking sports with my friends. And um, we did a podcast back then and it sucked. And I'm sure you could probably find it in the depths of the internet somewhere. But, um, you know, like I wanted to be more active on uh, like Boston sports, Twitter, whatever it was. And I started writing for, hardwood houdini like a little over a year ago when you were first starting out with bng and doing everything that you were doing and like you came to me and asked if i wanted to do a podcast with you and i it was the quickest yes i think i've ever said to anything <laughs> in my life and i then like i never thought that like it would be what it is now or like we would be doing it a year like i was just like yeah like i'll 
talk Bruins with you once a week. Like, screw it. Like, we've done that our whole lives. And to have people, like, actually listen to us, like, every week and to interact with us and, like, all the friends that we've made on Twitter and, and the turn into real life friends. Like we just went skating with Boosie a couple of weeks ago and that was horrible. I was coughing up blood after five minutes, dude. I haven't skated in years. Dude, but, like we, we played EASHL last night with Tedisco and Chris Davis. Davis too. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's just, it was just a small thing. Like a, a small decision we made to just, record a podcast and put it out there and, you know, see what happens. And like, we have people tweeting at us, telling us that they're looking forward to the upcoming episode. And it's like, wow, like I can't believe that a whole year, like this is where we're at. And like, we have, um, every, like every DM that people send and question and voicemail, like you and I listen to, and we see every single one. And, uh, it means a lot to both of us. I know how important it is to you, but it is to me as well. You know, this, this podcast and everything we're doing here and all the support and people that we have listening to us, it means the world to us. So 52 weeks down one whole year to the day, actually, you and I were just talking about this. Our first official release was August 2nd, 2022. And here we are now when this drops the morning of August 2nd, 2023, it's been a wild ride, a lot of ups and downs, wouldn't change a thing. And very excited for the future of the Something's Brewing podcast. Yeah, and kind of speaking on the future of the Something's Brewing podcast as well. Um, so you mentioned BNG, uh, how I started out with BNG last summer. Uh, it it sucks. It really, really sucks. And but I'm excited for the future as well. So uh, um, us, uh, you know, our podcast, Something's Brewing, along with uh, the Only Bruins Boys. And I know last week on their podcast episode, they, they touched on it. But we are also leaving the BNG network. Um, it's It wasn't an easy decision. Um, it, it was something that we thought would help benefit us in our show in the coming years in, in this upcoming season as well. And just for the future. Um, but there are so, so many memories. And I know, I know, um, I, I had started at PNG as a writer. Um, and, and you know, a couple months into doing that, that's when I got the idea for the show. And that's when I asked you, Nick, if you wanted to come and do it with me. And there was honestly nobody else in my mind who I wanted to do it with either. It was you. And then that's, I asked Zach, I asked Andrew, but like, it was always going to be you. So deflecting a little bit, going back to BNG though, um, I have so many memories of, of working over there with Mark and that entire crew, Chris Nosick, um, all the guys over there, you know, Kevin O'Keefe, Mark Allred, obviously I owe so much, you know, I owe so much to them all. Um, they're, they're the ones who really help, you know, give me a platform to talk about, the Bruins and, and, you know, um, really not establish myself or, or our podcast, but help at least give my voice a little bit of help. You, you know, they helped, you know, lead me into this market and this industry and the amount of gratitude that I have for Mark is, is you can't even really, you can't, describe it you can't sum it up um he's helped me along the way every single day you know anytime i had to call him he'd pick up the phone in an instant text him he'd text me right back um so it was an honor and a privilege to get to work with those guys um and you know i know boosie 
mentioned on his show as well. There, there's no bad blood, and that that's true. We all we're all very um, professional about it. Express our gratitude towards each other, and um, we we left on a positive note, and that's the most important thing. Um, obviously, all those guys are friends of mine. Um, I care about them deeply. Um, it's funny just because, like, in the year that I worked there, I didn't expect to get as close as I did with them, and they're just all amazing people. And I'm so 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 grateful for the time that I got to spend there and everything I learned from working with them. You know, Mark helping me get full credentials to the games, bringing me to dev camp, um, getting to interview the guys, go to the locker room. None of that would have been possible without Mark. So <laughs> I owe everything to Mark and, and it's just been, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know him as a person and as a boss as well. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, you said it, I mean, this was not by any means an easy decision. I know this was something that you and I were going back and forth with for, a long time trying to decide what was the best thing to do. And, um, you know, I didn't have the same relationship that you had with Mark. Like I wasn't a writer for BNG. I didn't go to dev camp. I didn't get press passes. I was a podcaster, but you know, Mark always made me feel included in the BNG gang. And, you know, he was always so supportive of everything that you and I wanted to do. You know, we wouldn't have this podcast or this platform or we wouldn't, you know, be in this space. If it wasn't for Mark trusting us and, giving us this opportunity and letting us run with it. So we are forever grateful to Mark and the, uh, you know, the whole black and gold gang. Um, you know, you said it as well, you know, there's absolutely no bad blood at all between us and them or anything. You know, we are still full supporters of, you know, black and gold and everything they're doing. And you'll still hear us listening to their podcast and you'll still see us promoting everything they have going on over there. Um, because they've been huge for us and, you know, we want to continue to support them the same way that they supported us this last year. Um, but no, I mean, Mark has been terrific. Um, you know, any, he, he, we told him what we wanted to do with a podcast and he let us run with it. And like you said, any questions we had, he would answer it. Um, you know, he was always so supportive for our EASHL streams, you know, joining in and, and always, you know, uh, coach Mark in the comments and, um, you know, I know I missed the last Funkies thing, but you know, if Mark's ever coming out back around this, this side of town, you know, we can hit up Funkies one more time and, yeah. um, but no, you know, it, it's been a great year of, of working with Mark and the whole black and gold productions team. And, um, it wasn't an easy decision, but it was one that, uh, that we felt was best for us moving forward. Yeah. So, so as we, leave bng we join a new production company called primetime productions um it's it's a company that's going to be supporting and hosting all four major sports in north america so that network is going to have mlb podcasts as as, lo- as well as writers um nfl writers and podcasts nba writers and podcasts and of course um nhl writers and podcasts so that's that's exciting. Uh, you can follow the Primetime Productions <clears throat> Twitter account at Primetime Prods. You'll see all the podcasts that are a part of that network be retweeted on that, you know, on that Twitter page or X page, I guess we'll call it now. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, at Primetime Prods, you f- follow that account and you'll stay updated with this new company and this new media journey that we're now a part of. 
Yeah, we are. This is something we're extremely excited about. We're so thrilled to be part of this team. Um, if you've been following them on Twitter or following some of the other team members that we're joining, um, I know Grace and Lauren, they launched their pod this Monday yes. called awesome podcast. All Goals, No Misses. Great listen. Um, if you haven't listened, what the hell are you doing? Uh, but it's great. I know Lauren's a goalie, so she brings some great insight. And Grace was on the Black and Gold pod. So uh, the two of them have great chemistry. You can follow them on Twitter at All Goals, No Misses. They drop every Monday, I believe. Last This past Monday was their first ever episode. Um, so definitely check them out. The other podcast on the network so far, other than them and us, is a two-pad stack. You can follow them on Twitter at Two Pad Stack Pod that is hosted by Ace and Chris Davis. Although this week it was Lauren from the All Goals No Misses Pod who filled in for Chris Davis. They're also a great listen. They're super active on Twitter. I know Ace also streams on his Twitch. Um, but so far, those are the three shows that have been announced on Primetime Prods. There are some other shows, some other creators uh, that are on the team that have not been announced yet, but Keep an eye on that primetime prods Twitter account to see who else will be joining us. Um, but you know, this is something that we're very excited about. Um, and we've said it a thousand times, but to the moon, <laughs> to the moon, yeah. Um, and, and I know football season's coming up, so be on the lookout for a brand new Patriots podcast that's going to be coming. It will be a part of um, primetime productions as well as a Celtics pod, I believe, we have coming on the network mm, as well. In the but, works, yeah. So definitely be on the lookout for those. Um, it's going to be an exciting time for you know, new, uh, new podcasts this upcoming season there's going to be plenty of those coming but obviously with Bruins news today um Trent Frederick and the Boston Bruins reached an agreement uh two years 2.3 million dollars for Trent Frederick great deal in my opinion and as well as a Jeremy Swayman contract that one came in at one year by 3.475 so both of those contracts I mean I think it it's in favor of Boston, not the player. I think the, that money and the term that it comes with that favors the Bruins organization more than it does the players. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, no, I agree too. I know a lot of people were wondering how arbitration was going to go. Cause Sweeney's never been to arbitration and um, you know, Frederick, Frederick, oh my God, Frederick now with some of the departures that this team has had um, and the way that he emerged last year, he's going to be an important piece for this team moving forward. Um, and to get him at that figure for two years, I think, is huge. I know a lot of people have been peddling him and there's interest with him in St. Louis and you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe St. Louis is going to do something ridiculous. Um, but we're very happy to have Frederick still in town. And then Swayman too. Yeah, <laughs> we weren't, weren't sure what he was going to get. Um, but I'm happy that they got that deal today. What do you think? What was it? One year, 3.475. Is that what the number yeah. was? Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Do you think he should have gotten more or less than that? I was, I, I remember earlier in the day before the news broke of what he signed for, I was guessing it was going to be somewhere around 3.7. So 3.475, basically three, five. I mean, I think that's fair. I, I, it's not, it's definitely not a low ball, you know, uh, money offer, I guess. Um, but three, four, seven, five, he could definitely say he was a free agent. If he was a UFA and not restricted, I'm guessing he could have made somewhere around five, five and a half, 
some some team that needs a goalie. They're desperate for a goalie. He's young, but obviously that's not how it works. So for arbitration, you know, reasons, I think three, four, seven, five is very fair, especially yeah. especially since the term is only one year. Yeah, I'm just happy that the goalie hug's back too. I know, I, mean, I know. But besides the whole goalie hug being back, Swayman was phenomenal last year. I mean, yeah, he was. You know, one year, 3.75 for a guy who was top five in the league and goals against average and save percentage and the second half of that two-headed monster. Um, you know, I don't think anybody is expecting Swayman and Omar to collectively have that same level of dominance this year that they did last year. But... Oh. You can't do it if you don't have them both on the same team. So they're already off to the right start by bringing back Swayman. Um, Now, with those two under contract now for next season, do you know what the Bruins cap figure is looking like? Um, I'll tell you in just a second. Just off the top of my head, I think it was somewhere around 375000 So, like, they wouldn't have to send anybody down, right? They they might have to move Mitchell down. Mitchell or Zaboral, one of those two. Um let me see here. Dun dun dun. Right now I can't find it. But uh, it was it was it was it was under five hundred thousand. I know that for sure. Mm, Cause I know they could move forward down too, but I don't know. I mean do you do you still think that they're they're shopping forward? Do you think he still can still get moved I, in a trade or what's going on with him? No, I think I think the plan is right now the team as it is. I don't really see them making another move unless it's maybe for a center. If it's for a, a, a potential first line center, they they could make a move in that direction. Um, I know like guys like Shifley, guys like Elias Lindholm out of Calgary, guys like that. Their names have been thrown around all summer, basically. Mm. So maybe you see something like that, but my gut. My gut tells me this is the squad they're going to roll with going into the year. That's interesting because I was wondering if now that the Bruins and I guess the league definitively know that Bergeron's gone, he's retired, and now that the Bruins know exactly what they have to work with in terms of their cap figure now that Swayman and Frederick are signed, would it be more realistic now that they can take a swing at Shifley or Lindholm because now they know – and the league knows that they need a first line center and they know how much money they have and they know what they can work with in terms of assets and trading and getting players back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a valid point. And I think it's, um, it's really anyone's guess, to be honest. I, that's why I'm saying in my gut, I feel like this is just the team that they're going to go with. And if the struggles are really that bad, maybe you see an early move in the season, but I highly doubt it. Um, I think they're trusting Zaka. I think they're trusting Coyle. And, you know, you can, you have Geeky who can play that third line center role now. And now that you have Frederick as well. Now that you just have, fell off. <laughs> now that you have Frederick as well, um, you have that third line wing locked down as well. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting because you have your goaltending locked up. You have your defensive, you know, back end lined up. It's the, 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 I don't want to say Achilles heel, but something that has the potential to struggle is the forwards group offensive production remaining consistent throughout the year. You know, you don't have a bona fide number one center right now. Your second line left wing is JVR. Um, so I think that is going to be something to keep your eye on early in the season. See if that offense can be consistent and be productive. 
Yeah, yeah, that would, and that's crazy to think that this offense could have trouble putting pucks in the back of the net when they just had a guy who put 61 of them there last year, which is well, ridiculous. That's what I was going to mention as well. You know is going to produce. You know Marshawn is going to produce, but it's the it's the depth forwards who you're going to really be looking at to, you know, contribute a decent amount. Guys like DeBrusque, guys like JVR, I guess, Geeky, Frederick, uh, you know, those guys are going to have to play a big offensive role. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it comes down to is what we meant. I think we mentioned it last week, these secondary characters, what they can do. You know, if, you know, I, I think Brett said he can see maybe Geeky. Oh, was, oh no, he think he said Zaka could maybe get in the 70 point range this year, which would be really nice. Or, uh, you know, we need to see what yeah. Geeky can do. And we don't even know who's going to be on that fourth line or who even is going to play how many games. I mean, they just picked up Lucic off the street. How many games is he realistically going to be in the lineup? Um, and then on top of that too, like we don't even know who the captain's going to be. We don't know what this team's identity. I think maybe not identity. I think we know what this team's identity is going to be because they still have enough leaders in the locker room, but right. <clears throat> they lost some key players and they're bringing some key players back. And we said it last, last episode, like this season upcoming is going to be, there's so many different things that I'm looking for this year that I haven't been looking for in the past because it was always, you know, this aging core. Can we just get them to the cup one more time? And now I feel like in the, that Bergeron's gone. Krejci's probably on a different continent right now. I think now it's more in the part of, can these guys step up? Can we put some youth into this roster and see what happens? And, I, for one, I'm excited. I want to see what these guys look like next year because they're going to be a big part of this team moving forward. Yeah. No, it's 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 going to be a year where the offensive contributions are going to have to come from your second and third line as well. You're, you're not going to be able to rely on Pashanak to basically drive your offense. You can rely on that for sure, but it's it, him alone isn't going to win you games. We, we know Marshawn obviously coming off a of hip surgery. He's another year older now. Um, I'm not saying he's going to slow down or anything like that, but you have to have a contingency plan just in case. And right now your contingency plan is freaking JVR, DeBrusque, <laughs> Morgan Geeky, Trent Frederick, uh, Jacob Lauko could honestly pop off <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. I really think he could too. I do. I really do. Do you think? Do you think? Uh, in ter- what, what would popping off for for Jacob Lauko be though? Because last year Frederick uh, popped off, and that was what eighteen goals. I mean, do you think that's realistic for Lauko this year? I say for Lauko, popping off would be somewhere between like forty and fifty points. Okay, for Lauko, right? If he's consistently playing third line minutes, um, obviously there's a lot that goes into that. You know, my my my. 40 to 50 points. I'm thinking, you know, if he plays consistently up with Boston all year long, he's not, you know, riding the bus down to Providence and back. Um, he's playing third line minutes alongside Geeky and Frederick, which would be a hell of a line. Mm. Um, and just, I think if he gets that time, he can produce 40 to 50 points. I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. So what if, if, so your ideal third line would be who geeky Frederick and, and Lauko. I would love that third line. Oh my, that would be an electric third line. Yes. <laughs> and then who, who's on your fourth line? Lucic. Probably Beecher. Maybe, maybe Beecher, but Lucic for sure at left. Um, 
See, if, if there's a plan for Lysel to come up, I don't want him playing fourth line minutes. But then that says, but then you you have you run into a problem with a guy like Lauko. Hmm. Um, I don't know Beecher. Yeah, Patrick Brown maybe. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about Patrick Brown. Oscar Steen's name has been thrown around, but like, I, I mean, I don't really know. He's about been that hiding, and I don't even know if he exists. He's been Honestly, hiding in Providence for so long, dude. I know. Um, Mark McLaughlin. Quick, actually, you know what? Quick, quick shameless plug. plug. Shameless plug. Um, myself, myself, and Chris Davis um, for the Drop of the Mets Hockey Podcast. We'll be interviewing Mark McLaughlin tonight in in about an hour from now. So. Maybe a guy like McLaughlin. I mean, we saw him come up. What was that? Two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he was fine. He didn't look bad. He he kept up with the boys. He contributed. He he wasn't a liability out there. Um, so he's definitely an option that I can see. You know, Jim Montgomery utilizing in that fourth line. Um, Beecher Beecher's interesting. I need to see you know his preseason work and see where he really is because I don't know if he's ready or not yet. Do you think it's safe to say that the AJ Greer experience is over? It's actually funny that you say that because when you <laughs> asked me to name the fourth line, I didn't even think of him. I was waiting to see if you were going to throw his name out there. <laughs> I think I think I'd rather have AJ Greer than Patrick Brown. Really? Why is I that? Think, I think so. Just because we we've seen we saw AJ Greer last year. He can play. He knows the system. Um, he's not a new guy coming in. Uh, he knows the role that he'd be playing. That being said, though, if Patrick Brown, if Patrick Brown comes out during the preseason or, or early in the regular season and he looks solid and he's playing better than Greer, then absolutely roll with Brown. Um, I don't know. That fourth line, you could you could throw a whole you know, uh, freaking it's like a meet a palooza like, players dude, down there in the fourth a meet a palooza, yeah. Toss a name and a hat, toss <laughs> a name and a hat, dude. And like, sure, why not? You can play a game tonight, I we'll guess. Like we I saw uh, um, uh, Bergeron was skating at uh, Warrior. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I did. With uh, because they were he was doing his, his, I think he was in what in, in Quebec, he's doing his like thing, his uh, like charity game or something with all the ex NHL players. So Bergeron was there. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I saw a picture of him standing in line next to Marshawn. And uh, somebody tweeted a picture of it about how, like, wow, like, look at this. Like, Bergeron's standing next to Marshawn on the ice. And I was like, okay, why is this news? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. He's done. <laughs> and then I remembered. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, you know what? I know I know you're feeling a little under the weather. Um, you want to just jump into the DMs right now? I mean, let's do it yeah we talk we talk freddie arb we talk sway arb um so yeah that's let's the only time other, the frit the freddie and swayman arbitration and bergeron are like the only three pieces of bruins related news we've had since the yeah. end of the first round <laughs> like, dude thank it's god been, thank god so this thank god this like freddie and sway news came out otherwise what would this episode even be dude all the news so far has been like oh your favorite player is leaving the bruins oh your second favorite player is leaving the bruins oh these important trade deadline acquisitions they're all gone they all left yeah. the bruins and, and it's all it's been all year damn it and i've been yeah. so sick of this off season and by the way your team has no money <laughs> yeah. that's why like like it's like if i man if you had told I feel like if you had told any Bruins fan game 82 that the next three months were going to be just pure distress and misery and you won't see the sun again 
until uh, Swayman and Frederick's arbitration on August 1st, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. And that's exactly what we've we, – every single player has left. Bergeron retired. Nobody can even get a hold of Krejci. I don't even know if he's on earth anymore, man. And all we have to hang our hat on is Frederick is getting two years and Swayman is back. And I'm stoked about that. Don't get me wrong. But it's yeah. like I can't believe it took us this long to finally get some good news. Lucic is back? Who cares? Yeah. He's, a, he's yeah. on the fourth line. He's playing 12 games. Dude, <laughs> but especially Freddie. Freddie coming back is – is actually That's huge, huge, huge yeah. for this team. Huge for this I'm team. I'm pumped. And also, two years from now, the Bruins are going to have a lot of money to play around with. So, yeah. you know, they won't be in this situation where they're like, Freddie, please don't go to St. Louis. Like, let's figure something out and then negotiate. They won't be in that position then where they can pay him more of what he's worth, especially if he continues to progress these next two seasons like he just did this past one. Yeah, dude. I mean, not only do you have him for this year at 2.3, but you have him for the next year at 2.3. That's mm-hmm. nothing. That is no money. That is, oh, yeah. that is, he that's, could make more. He could that's make more. <laughs> change. That's, that's the Jacobs pulls that money out of his pocket in his jeans before he puts it in the dryer. That's <laughs> nothing to them. And I'm happy that Freddie's back. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's jump into these DMs. Um, this first one comes in from our boy at the only Bruins podcast, Brett Howard. You can follow him on Twitter at Brett Howard underscore. He said, how comfortable do you feel with the Swayman Frederick contracts while going into the season with a 22 man roster? Fairly comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I'm very comfortable. Um, I mean, I love, I love the deals. Yeah. I think this was the ideal scenario. You know, you didn't, you definitely didn't overpay for either of these guys. You got Frederick for two years, you got Swayman for this upcoming season, and then you can renegotiate when the salary cap goes up and you have a billion dollars to spend. <laughs> yeah. I know people were talking too about how, um, <clears throat> actually I think it might've been, cause I didn't, I didn't realize it, it might've been Chris Nosek on Twitter mm-hmm. who tweeted that, um, you know, the independent arbitrator, they just give you a number Yep. And the, the teams don't know, the player doesn't know. That much I, I did know. But I didn't know that um, they're not – I guess it makes sense when I think about it. But that number that arbitrator gives, he's not trying to say, okay, well, we need to make sure that this is going to be under the cap. No, he's going to give you what the player is worth. So yep. if he came back and said, okay, Jeremy Swayman, you will be making $4 million next year, there's nothing the Bruins can do about it, and suddenly they're over the cap. And now they got to figure out something to have Jeremy Swayman's contract on the books as well as um, Trent Frederick. And I know people were talking about sending Zaboro down or sending Forbert down, <clears throat> which it looks like now, fortunately, it isn't the case. Although it might be unfortunate because Forbert might as well be a traffic cone back there at times. But that was just another part of the game that I think a lot of people were waiting on to see, you know, these contracts, are they going to break the Bruins back with the amount that Frederick and Swayman's going to be making? And that's why it's such a big thing that, yeah, you have Frederick for two years, but <clears throat> these numbers are also small enough where you don't have to do cap gymnastics just to fit these contracts on your on your books. You can slide them in lickety-split, which I think is important as well. Yeah. Um, so this next one comes in from our boy, Ethan 2.0. Follow him oh, on yeah. Twitter, at IncredibleMrE7. So he's got a two-part question here. I'll read the first one, and then I'll go into the second after we answer the first. So he says, do we get a captain this year or do we play a season with all a captains like Detroit did prior to naming Larkin? So on this one, I think there's a lot of factors on it. If it wasn't the hundredth year, potentially, 
but I feel like for the hundredth year, the centennial season in this organization, you know, North, not North America, um, the United States first NHL franchise. I think for that, they're going to want to have a captain for that season. Yeah, I agree. And, and that those Detroit teams, I mean, it wasn't, they, they like, they sucked. Like who was going to be captain? I, I, I could have been on that roster. I could have told you I was a player on the Detroit Red Wings the year before Dylan Lark was named captain. And you might believe me because they were so bad. Like this Bruins team is littered with leaders. Like if, if they don't have a captain, uh, it's not because they don't have a leader. It's for any other reason. Um, and, yep. and also I didn't even consider the, the centennial. That's a great point as well. You can't go into your hundredth season without having somebody with a C on their sweater. I right. think it's just a matter of who they pick, which we discussed last week, but I still feel the same way. Two unbelievable options in Brad Marchand or Charlie McAvoy. I support either of the two picks. I think that they will both make fantastic captains. Yep, agreed wholeheartedly. Have the Bruins uh, ever have the Bruins ever not had a captain? Have they ever done that? What Detroit did and what San Jose's done in the past where they just had players wear A's? Um I can't think of a time. Maybe in the early two thousands, like the Jumbo Joe era. Like right after Joe Thornton. Yeah, like right around that time. Potentially, I could be wrong because I was just a little, you know, yeah. meatball. I was a little meatball yeah. back then. I didn't, I didn't even have any thoughts. Which is ridiculous <laughs> because how can you have Sergey Samsonov on your roster and PJ Stock and PJ Axelson and nobody's wearing a C? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. PJ Axelson. Half, half kidding. <laughs> yeah, PJ Stock could have thrown it on. Uh, Shane oh, Knighty, yeah. any of those guys. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you know, a decade after that, Benoit Pouliot. I know that's yeah. another name, I think. Casper Casper's Dogmans. <laughs> the dog, man. Al Pacino. All, <laughs> all worthy of this tea. Yeah. Pacino um, just got to stay out of the box. Pacino, yeah, Pacino's a rookie. But yeah. um, <clears throat> his second part for the question is uh, who is – what is – or, yeah, who is your biggest concern as a player this year, either existing – on the roster or new talent in terms of expectations. Do you think Jake DeBrus can play like he did last year? And do you think Freddie will be able to stay hot after losing UNC? Biggest concern on the roster this year? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go a, a bit outside of the box mm-hmm. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say biggest concern in terms of like who I'm worried about. You know, production-wise, but my biggest concern is Brandon Carlos staying healthy because Ooh. he's an integral part of this defensive core. That I feel like um, your rational fan realizes that. I feel like your sports hub fan wants him traded. But I yes. feel like if if you if you watch <laughs> the Bruins and if you've been watching the Bruins for anything more than ten games, you realize and you recognize how important Brandon Carlo is to this team not just defensively, but also as the health of the unit. And he has had, I believe it's seven concussions at this point. I think he's, what, 25, 26 years old? Um, and you, I, for, for him, the player, and for the team, uh, I want Brendan Carlos to stay healthy. I'm sure he does as well. But um, that's one thing that I'm looking for this year is a full 82-game season, or even just give me 75. The most important thing for me is no more concussions from Brandon Carlo because as the player, as the person, um, you, I, I, I just, I hate to see that happen. I know we all saw what happened early on in Bergeron's career with his concussions and it threatened his career. 
Uh, and Brandon Carlo, I mean, he's he's got a family. I mean, you just you hate to you hate to even think about what could happen to a guy with too many concussions. So, a healthy season out of Brandon Carlo and no concussions is what I w- I'm looking for. Yeah, that's a really that's a really 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 good pick. Thank you. Um, for me, I'm thinking James Van Riemsdyk. That's my biggest concern because as we were kind of touching on earlier in the episode, you're going to need that depth scoring. You can't rely on guys like Pasa and Marshawn to just kind of carry your offense throughout the whole year. And with JVR potentially and most likely playing second line minutes, if he's not producing, if he's unable to keep up with, you know, second line minutes and, be consistent offensively, then you're going to find yourself in some trouble. Because if, if, if that second line of say coil Van Riemsdyk and DeBrusque slash Pasa, if, if that line isn't clicking, then all of a sudden you're leaning on that first line to get you goals and your second line isn't producing. It's not helping you win games. It's becoming more of a liability because who are you going to slide into that second line wing spot? Instead of JVR, I mean, maybe Lauco, Lysel, if he's ready, that could be electric. But at the <laughs> same time, like, do you want to put that much pressure on on a rookie's shoulders like that? Be like, you know, like JVR is not producing. We need you to come in and kind of spark this second line consistently. Like, I don't know if you want to rely on that. So that's probably my biggest concern right now is that it's the depth scoring. And yeah, I think that, that leads a lot on JVR. That's a great point, too, because we all remember the perfection line. I mean, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Bosnock is one of the greatest lines I've ever seen. And those Bruins teams, they couldn't get it done because they didn't have secondary scoring. And now right. you have no more Patrice Bergeron. We don't even know how that sec- first line is going to op- We don't even know who the first line center is going to be. Right. And we need that first of all not even including secondary scoring man we just need our first line to play well and that's why production from jvr that second line could be so important if he can pop off become a 20 goal scorer again or or you know even i don't know be a a 55 60 point guy that could be huge for this team (laughs) yeah absolutely sorry i'm coughing (laughs) (laughs) yeah like if if jvr I, i think the minimum point production for JVR if he's playing consistent second line minutes should at least be 50 at least mm-hmm. be 50 and yeah no and, to- and, and that's towing the line even like do you think he's gonna get like big power play minutes I think so you just camp his big ass in front of the goalie and like, just let him screen just him have, pick up have, rebounds go crazy yeah tip shit in hit get rebounds I don't care just have pasta just tee shit up from the top of that circle where it's becoming his new patented move and then just plant JVR's big ass right in front of the goalie and have yeah. screen him and just tip shit in. And I mean, now, and you have Lauko there just diving and drawing penalties all game. I mean, that right. might be the Bruins' recipe to success this year. Put Lauko out, draw a penalty, have JVR camp in front of the net and just tee shit up for pasta on the top of the circle. Yeah, let them collect all their points. Yeah. Um, so uh, another part of his question, do you think Jake DeBrus can play like he did last year? Um, this is interesting because it, for myself, do you – let me ask you this. Do you put him back on the first line and pass on the second, split up that uh, those offensive weapons? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because I think if, 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 you, if, if the first line's working with pasta – 
I feel like whatever line Poss is on is going to work out just because he's David Posternock. And yep. I feel like if you put all your beg, all your begs, all your eggs in one <laughs> basket on that first line and hope that your second line works out, I feel like you will have a more balanced attack. If you put David Posternock, your best goal scorer, on your second line, put Jake DeBrusque on that first line alongside Brad Marchand, who we played with last year, and hope that they can mesh and figure it out with their center. I think that's your best way to do it rather than just having one line and knowing, okay, we can just throw them out because the Bruins have tried that in the past and it didn't work. And given that team had Patrice Bergeron and this one doesn't. Uh, The only thing about Jake DeBrusque is, I mean, last year he was playing with Bergeron and Brad Marchand and he had a career year, although it was cut short because of injuries. I don't know if he can do that again. I think he can definitely build upon last year. But I do think that it is important that he no longer has Patrice Bergeron playing those minutes in the center ice. So <clears throat> I don't know who his center is going to be, but I am looking to see him build upon the season he had last year. Is he going to have the same level of success? I don't know. But like so many players on this roster, I'm looking for Jake DeBras to take another step this year and build upon the campaign he had last year. Yeah, well, remember, too, before he uh, before he got hurt, during the Winter Classic, he was on pace to be a point-per-game player as well. Yeah, he single-handedly like, won the Winter Classic, too. Right. Like, and this a broken year, leg. with a broken leg, he won us the Winter Classic. Like, it was unbelievable. Um, but he played 64 games last year, and he ended up with 50 points, uh, 27 goals, 23 assists. I think he can definitely surpass that. He No, without a doubt, he can definitely surpass that. Um, if he can, you know, stay healthy all season, continue to click with Marshawn and potentially Zaka, I guess, then I think he could become a 60, 60 to 65 point player this season. If he is, if, if the second line, though, is Jake DeBrus, JVR, and Coyle, <sighs> oof. Man, I don't, I don't know. know. But I, yeah, I don't know. That's why I think it's a no-brainer to put Pasta on that second line and put DeBrusque yeah. on that first line and just let them cook and see what they yeah. can do. Yeah, I think you have to do that. If if he's on the second line, if you know DeBrusque, if he's on the second line, maybe he matches last season, fifty to fifty-five points. But yeah, if he's but getting I mean, first line minutes and power play, he should be getting sixty to sixty-five, maybe more. And and twenty-seven goals in what'd you say it was sixty-four games? Sixty-four. I believe his career high is 27, right? His second year in the league, was it? Has he had a 30-goal season? I don't think he has. He hasn't, and you're right. He met his his um, his highest goal total, 2018, 2019, he had 27. Yeah. 20, I mean, 20, 2021, 2022, he had 25. 27 in 64 games last year. Keep in mind, too, I mean, he was, what, 10, 10 12 points away from being a point-per-game score. He also, you know, he missed a month with like a broken foot or whatever it was and came back. And you're not going to be immediately, boom, I'm a point-per-game scorer again as soon as you come back from an injury. So I think, yeah. I mean, all things considered, if you had a full healthy season with Jake DeBrus last year, <clears throat> it sounds like that sounds like 32 to 35 goals. I don't know, maybe 65, maybe inching towards 70 points. <laughs> I mean, that's a damn good player. And again, a lot of that production comes from having a 27-goal scorer and Patrice Bergeron in your center helping you out every night, um, which is why Pavel Zaka, I mean, nobody's asking to be Patrice Bergeron, but yeah. um, I mean, it's just, again, it's just another thing to look forward to next year of all these storylines of can these players build upon the season that was last year? And a lot of these guys are going to have to answer for it, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, me too. 
Uh, this next one comes in from Bees Memes. You can follow him on Twitter at Big oh, memes. memes. Yeah, what up, memes? Uh, he said, do you anticipate any other moves to retool the team, or do you think Sweeney slash Neely are happy with the player pool between the big club and Providence? Personally, I think that outside of some big move for a center, I think this is the team they're going with. I think this is the team that we're going to be rolling into the season with outside of a unexpected Mark Shifley or Elias Lindholm trade. I, I think yeah. this is the team. And the, I mean, look at the prospect pool. It's decent. You've got Merkulov. You've got Lysel. You've got Beecher. You've got Lorai. I think they're happy. Yeah, I mean, I think all things considered <clears throat> with all the players that they've lost this year and the 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 gymnastics they've had to do around the salary cap, I think they've put together probably the best team you can given these circumstances. Yeah. Um and and I, I you know, I'm sure there's still a move or two that Sunni would like to make, but I mean, it's not like there's a thousand players out there on who are free agents or everybody's banging down on the door. I mean, the trade market isn't just stockpiled with assets everywhere. <clears throat> and even so, I don't remember what who I was listening to. It was some podcast, um, but they were saying that like the the way that the salary cap this year, like Batman really screwed everybody by promising that you know the cap was going to go up four mil or whatever it was, and it went up like one mil. And now all these teams can't make trades because all their contracts are inflated because they're expecting the salary cap to go up, and everything's a bit gridlocked right now. I mean, there's yep. there's no big trades going on anywhere in the league. Were there? How many trades were there on draft night? I mean, we thought a lot of shit was going to get done. I mean, seemingly nothing did. Dude, look at. I mean, Eric Carlson is still a free agent. Patrick Kane yeah. is still a free agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. Uh, uh, a lot of people thought Omar was going to get traded. I wonder if the salary cap went up. And if the Bruins had a little more money to play with, I wonder if they would have pulled the trigger on an old Mark trade. But just because the way everything shook down, they didn't. Maybe they would have, maybe they didn't. But, I mean, th- there's really nothing else you can do, I feel like, right now. Unless, like you said, a Lindholm becomes available <clears throat> or a Shifley becomes available. And at that point, what's it going to cost? And you got to make everything work because, like I said, it seems like pretty much every single team, barring the Coyotes are pressed up against the cap because of because of uh, how how little the cap jumped. So I right. think a lot of teams are gearing up for a couple years from now when the cap goes up and a lot of these big contracts are ending and everybody has more money to play with. The Bruins are definitely one of them. But I think... <coughs> oh, my God! The way that the offseason <laughs> ended... I'm sorry, I'm dying. The way that the offseason ended with the players that left and the players you brought in really don't think you can have a better group of guys, a better roster than what the Bruins have right now. Yeah, no, I agree, especially in their situation. I, that's why I'm, That's why I think that the team is set. But that kind of leads us into this next DM, comes in from our boy Al Pacino, a.k.a. Mm. Nick Tedisco. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nick Tedisco. He said, do the Bruins wait until next year's trade deadline to make a big move at center if they can remain competitive and in the playoff race? Also, he says, will the Bruins make a move for Elias Lindholm now that our arbitrate now that the arbitration hearings are done? Uh, I don't know, man. I, are you sold that they're in on Elias Lindholm? I think that where there's smoke, there's fire. I think they're yeah. definitely kicking tires. I was gonna say, I believe that they're kicking tires, but I, I don't. I think it might just be more so doing due diligence, and I have no insight on the fact other than. I got a bit of a hunch, maybe a little birdie. To- no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I think if, if the Bruins are in a position to make a big move 
this year at the trade deadline, you know, for a center or whoever it might be, I think you can see them pull the trigger. But I just think that looking at their roster situation right now and their cap situation, and more importantly, the state of the Atlantic division, I, I like, yeah. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I don't really anticipate the Bruins being in the thick of things or, you know, leading the, or being a piece away from winning a Stanley cup come trade deadline. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but I think for a slew of reasons, not even mentioning, uh, having more at more money to work with at the trade deadline next year. I think if the Bruins were to make a big move, whether it be for, I don't know, Shifley or Lindholm or maybe somebody else who comes up, I feel like it could be more realistic. It happens either next off season or maybe next trade trade deadline than it does this trade deadline. Yeah. I'm kind of with you and the whole Elias Lindholm thing. I think it comes down to two centers right now. I think it's Shifley and Lindholm. I think it's those two guys. And I think Lindholm is the more likely one. Although I will say, I think I'd rather have Shifley. You know, I didn't realize Shifley's a bit of a locker room cancer, huh? Apparently, but I don't know how much of that is just playing in Winnipeg and just hating your life. I don't, I mean, I, I listen, you watch yourself in case Bobby Brucey's listening from, this the is beaches, true. from the beaches of Winnipeg. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I, 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 I didn't know. I never heard anything about Shifley being a locker room cancer. <clears throat> and then when his name came up in trade deadlines, suddenly I saw everybody talking about how he's a locker room cancer and he tears locker rooms apart. I didn't know that. I never heard anything about that. Um, yeah. But, you know, like you just mentioned, when there's smoke, there's fire. And uh, if the guy's a locker room cancer, I would like to think that the Bruins have enough culture where they can fix that or it wouldn't be an issue. But I feel like if Shifley were to come over here, he would be in more of a leadership role. And I yep. think it's important to also have high character guys. If you're giving up X amount of assets already from a depleted asset surplus for a guy like Shifley. So in that case, maybe Lindholm is a better option because I haven't yep. heard anything about him being a, a locker room cancer and he's younger too. Is he not? I believe so. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're all, I mean, all those points are valid. Um, next question here. Next question here comes in from uh, Marty, the meat man, shout out meat man. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at the meatman two five three. He said roster looks basically set for the season at this point. With how it all looks, will we be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Uh, if I had to pick one of the two, I would say sellers. Um, but I mean, the only, I mean, who would you sell? You're not selling pasta, Marshawn. Oh, don't you dare say it. (laughs) I think, I mean, you're not selling pasta. You're not selling McAvoy. I wouldn't sell Lindholm because that contract is freaking mint moving forward. I think for me, there's two guys who you could sell. If, if, if I had to pick two guys, I think the two that make the most sense are Marshawn. And I think one of your two goalies. Yep. I was going to say Marshawn and Olmark. Yeah. I I think those are the two guys. If you're selling at the deadline, those are the two guys. Now, are we going to be sellers or buyers? If you're, if, if, if I'm looking at that objectively, there's more of a chance that we'll be sellers than buyers. Because yeah. like you mentioned earlier, you're not going to be fighting for like the top two spots in the division most likely. And again, I hope, like you said, I hope I'm wrong too. <clears throat> but when you're stacking this team against teams like Tampa, like teams like Toronto, teams like Buffalo, teams like, I mean, Florida, hell, even throw Ottawa in there. Name them all. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah, literally everyone but Montreal. You're the odds that you're gonna beat those teams out come in the end of the season. 
isn't more than like 60 percent in my yeah. opinion I mean, in in my eyes too. Actually, right now is the MLB trade deadline. But I've always I've always thought of trade deadlines in any sport are indicative of your team being a piece or two away. Oh, we just yep. need to get this center. Uh, we just need to get you know, like the Islanders. We just got to get Bo Horvat or the Rangers. Right. Oh, we just got to get Patrick Kane. We're a piece or two away. And yep. I feel like the Bruins come the trade deadline. I think they're going to be more than a piece or two away. I, again, I could be wrong, but like you just mentioned, all these teams, the Atlantic Division, and it seems like right now there are a few holes, glaring holes, first-line center, potential second-line center. I don't know. I feel good with Zaka or Coyle, second-line center. At second least a lot better second-line center than I do. Yeah, second-line winger. <laughs> uh, third-line. Actually, no, their third-line's pretty set, but you have a few holes there, and uh, I just think it's more realistic that the Bruins are going to be sellers as opposed to buyers. Because they're yeah. closer to being, uh, I don't know, a seller team than a buyer team. <laughs> yeah, I would say if I, <laughs> dude, you need a recola <laughs> bag next to me. <laughs> um, oh my god, you do. Uh, if I had to put numbers on it, I would say there's probably sixty-five percent chance that you're a seller in a 35% chance that you're a buyer. That's I like what this, I, I like these metrics. Maybe 60-40. Because I have faith in this team. I don't think this team is going to miss the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be bad. But they're but I don't know, man. Look at the, look at every other team that you're going to be competing with. It's it's if I'm looking at it objectively and I was just as a pure analyst looking to you know line these teams up against each other. Boston would not be looked at favorably over other teams in this division and conference alone. I mean, Carolina, uh, New York. It's just like, it's going to be a weird NHL season, dude. It's going to be a yeah. very, very weird season. I feel like forever, too. It's always felt like the Bruins weren't playing against the teams in Atlantic. They weren't even playing against teams in the NHL. It always felt like they were playing against themselves because it was this aging core. <clears throat> And they had to win now. Every year it was, this is the year. This is the year it has to get done. And every year that clock was ticking. Krejci's probably gone. Bergeron's officially gone. You still have Marshawn here. <clears throat> but it feels like the new wave is coming. And if you're going to be bad, or at least if you're going to have a year where you struggle to make the playoffs, or you might be a seller, I feel like the year where the cap is hell and the Atlantic is absolutely loaded. I feel like if there's any year to have that be that this year, I feel like this is the one. Yep. And moving forward, I mean, you have who you think is the heir apparent to, you know, your long-term goalie solution. You have two of them right now, it seems like. Yep. You have Pasta locked up. You still have an insane defensive core. You have Lindholm locked up. You have McAvoy locked up. <clears throat> Carlo is still on the couple years away from hitting age 30. You still have some good young pieces for this core, and they're just not there yet, it seems like. And they're going to be there in a couple of years, and they have money to help these guys and to sign some players and to make some trades, but they're just not there yet. And if there's, a, again, a year where you're just not there yet, it's the one when there's like 10 Stanley Cup contenders in your freaking division alone, and you're $400,000 under the salary cap. It's you know, there's still a bright future ahead for Bruins hockey, just maybe not this immediate season. Right. And I don't and we're not even saying that this season is going to be like a punt. 
Like we're yeah. gonna be a we're gonna be a good entertaining hockey team, that's for sure. Exactly. But coming off of a season like last year where you had sixty five wins, yeah. it's gonna be a little bit of a shock to some fans, and that's gonna scare me and piss me off throughout the season. I think, you know, the team will go on like a three game losing streak, and and people are gonna act as if oh, uh, you like know, was, you know burn the city down. Everything's right, ending. right, yeah. and it's like no, no, no. It's just that we're not you know a juggernaut this year yeah yeah and i'm I'm glad you mentioned that too about how <clears throat> i know what i just said it sounds like you know the burns are gonna suck this year i still think they're no. a playoff team and we've said yeah. it a thousand times all you gotta do is get in and if the yeah. bruins can get into the playoffs they have as good of a chance to win the stanley cup as anybody else and they just yeah. proved you that last year where they had the best chances maybe ever and they lost in the first round yeah. so um you know i still think that this team is good enough to make the playoffs and when they get there, they're still good enough to do the whole thing. It's just yeah. one step at a time, baby. We got to make the playoffs first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have about three DM questions left. We're getting to the end here. But this question comes in from Jared. Shout out to Jared. Big supporter of the Twitch stream. Big supporter of Drop the Mitts, Only Bruins, Primetime Prods. Um, so shout out to Jared. You can follow him on Twitter at JJHockey underscore 15. He said potential one seed that the Bruins could end up trading for, or who do you guys think could make the full-time jump up to the NHL? So for, we've kind of already touched on the first line center potentially trading for. I think we're both in the same party, Lindholm or Shifley, right? There's no one else yeah. outside. I don't, of those I don't even know who else is being dangled in the trade. Yeah, no, not, not many. I can tell you that. Yeah. But um, who do I think could make a full-time jump up to the NHL? I think – out of all the guys, I have three in my mind right now, and that those three being Lorai, Merkulov, and Lysel. And I can't really pick one of those guys to have a you know that are. I don't think I don't think any of those three are more likely than the other to get a full time gig. I think um, they'll all have a shot. No Beecher. Ah, uh, Beecher too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot, I Beecher. Was gonna say- at one point, do you start, you know, starting a clock on Beecher? I mean, he was drafted, what, four years ago, first-round pick, and he still hasn't been sniffing NHL minutes. I feel like, you know, you don't want to give a guy a shot just because he's been in the system for so long. But, right. um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like – I know you said that you don't choose any – you don't want to select any of them as being more realistic than others. But, man, I really want to see Lorai come in here early. And I know we talked about it on our last episode. <clears throat> that holy sh- wait, what? Sorry, he was drafted in 2019. John Beecher. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was, was. I thought it was way more recent than that. Shit. Yeah, he know. needs to get his fucking yeah, ass in gear. I remember I was I was watching that draft because because I remember that draft they were because the Bruins had a pick way at the end because they were just in the cup or whatever, and uh, and his player comp was Patrice Bergeron, and I was like, Oof. come on, man, you you Oof. you can't have a player get drafted by the Bruins and then tell this market that his player comp is Patrice Bergeron. Cause you're setting the poor guy up for failure, but I know, you know a lot more about John Beecher than I do, but he's been in the system for a while and I would like to see him get a shot and see what he can do with some fourth line minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Um, so this next one comes in from Grace Roberts. Shout out Grace. Hey, shout out Grace. The, uh, all, all goals, goals, no misses podcast. Um, she said, where the hell do you think Carlson is going to end up and are the Bruins done making moves? Um, or will the other or will or will the other shoe drop on Krejci 
and Donnie will go after another center. I know. Um, uh, I know there was a lot of talk about Carlson to the Maple Leafs, and I'm hoping that now with uh, Bertuzzi being in Toronto, that that ship has sailed. I don't know how they would possibly make the money work. So I'm, I'm near. I'm very confident in saying no longer Toronto, thankfully. But I have no idea where Carlson. I know the Penguins were in the mix. I was gonna say Pitt. I um, think Pitt. I don't think there's any chance of him going back to Ottawa. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what about the Lightning? Do the Lightning have enough money to play around with? No, I don't think so. It's a lot of money. I, I swear. I think. I think it's gonna be Pitt. <clears throat> Pitt. What about what about Florida? Maybe, potentially. Florida Panthers. I mean, they, anybody's guess, dude. It's anyone's guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't even. What is he doing right now? Is he even skating? <laughs> Just hanging sure out. Dude, I haven't seen him. In, I saw him uh, in our ESHO last night. Somebody, we were playing the, uh, what was it, Heaven's Lettuce, that team? One of their players. It looked just yeah. like Eric Carlton. First time I've seen his face in months, it's, it felt like. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. But uh, so this last DM question comes in from Hellhammer. You can follow her on Twitter at Hellhammer9999. She said, what do your ideal opening night lines look like, assuming Sway signs, a.k.a. he did, and Krejci doesn't come back. We kind of went through this, but my first would be Marshawn, Zaka, DeBrusque. Second would be JVR, Coil, Pasta. Third, uh, Lauko, Geeky, Frederick. Fourth, I'll go... Let's go with Lucic, Beecher, and McLaughlin. Boom. And then defensively, obviously you got Grizz, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo... And then you'll go Forbert, Shattenkirk with Owen Sway. Wow, I would go the exact same as you. I was oh. wait, I was I was gonna say uh, the only thing I would change is Beecher, my fourth line center. I was anticipating you picking somebody else, but I'm glad you didn't. But um, either uh, what about? No, I was gonna say Merkulov, but he he's. When do you think if Merkulov gets called up this year? When do you think that could be? Would it be like a before an All Star break thing? I don't know, dude. It could be early in the season, too. That's the thing. Like, I think Merkulov deserves to be up here, or at least deserves to have a shot. So maybe you see him kind of rotating in on that fourth line, third line, you know, something like that. Maybe maybe because, I mean, JVR is older. Lucic is older. Marshawn is older. Maybe these guys need some rest days, and then you bring up Merkulov, and he'll kind of, he'll kind of do what, what Lauko did this year and kind of just fill in when needed. Yeah, you can inject those young guys and see if maybe something's brewing. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> there we go. Hey, on that note right there, um, hell of an episode for – happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday to the Something's Brewing podcast. That's we're right. Officially one, one year. years old. We, we're one years old. 17 um, more years and we're out of the house. Yeah, 17 more years and, and uh, yeah, 18. And then what is it? Freaking 20 more years and we can have a beer. Um, yeah, but Hey, 24, we can legally rent a car. Yeah. Look at that. And 26, we're going to need to get our own shirts, but yeah, um, let's keep going. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my <both> <laughs> hey, um, yeah. 52 great episodes of the something's brewing podcast. This wouldn't be possible without you guys. Um, so shout out to you all for, for keeping us going, engaging with us on, on X on Twitter. Um, yeah, you know, sending for us eating at us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for you know sending us DMs, leaving <clears throat> voicemails, and just you know all the all the um, enjoyment that we all have together on the timeline. So, 
As always, I do want to remind everybody, we are brought to you in partnership with the Primetime Productions Network. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Primetime Pods. Uh, You can follow Primetime Prods. Primetime Prods. Is that what I said? No, you said pods. Oh, shit. Yeah, primetime prods. There we go. Yeah, way to be, Michael. Uh, you can follow our show account on Twitter, at Something, no G at the end. You can follow our Twitch, which we just had an electric ASHL stream last night with the boys, um, at Something's Bruin Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, well, I need to get these ads. No, down I here. know. You got to get them on a sticky notice. I forget I myself, know. too. Um, but yeah, hey, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And with that being said, this was episode 52 of the Something's Bruin podcast. A whole year of us just fucking yapping into a microphone. Shooting the shit, baby. And here's to another year. Hey, here's to another season. We're getting close. Um, about 70 days away now, so... We'll be with you every step of the way. We'll be here. We'll be here. So with that being said, episode 52 of the Somebody's Brewing Podcast brought to you in partnership with the Primetime Productions LLC. And we will all see you next week. Dude, it's it's just nonstop. <laughs> God. <laughs>